Welcome to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. This is where we explore the journey from no one to number one. We are now streaming worldwide. Give me roll call, people. Number one in the chat. Noah, what's up? Los Gatos Strength. Go cry me. Arbor Island. Pola, Bear Bennett. Harry, Jack, James, Braden, Curtis, or Kurt Fishman. What's up, man? Medi, Gary, Hadra. Guys, throw me on number one in the chat. Give me a roll call. Let me know where you're calling in from. Today is the day. I said, yesterday, man, I kept it light. I talked about luxury cars. I asked what everybody's, man. You guys had some cool shit. Had some people that were saying like, oh, I like McLaren. Oh, I want a Cadillac. Myself, I'm stuck on the, uh, uh, I want a 2023 Bentley Continental GT. That's what I'm aiming for. We're talking a $300,000 ride. It's going to take me a minute before I can justify spending that kind of money. But I promised you that I was going to get heavy today. I'm going to get heavy. What's up, Los Gatos? Northern California, I figured, man. I lived up in the Bay Area for a while. I'm familiar with Los Gatos. Um, the cats, man. Uh, Ricky Lopez, what's up? Johnny Colon, what's up? Ron Foster. All you people out on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Marco out in Canada, Voodoo Godbones. What's up, Anders? Happy to see you guys. So what is, this is what I want you, I want you guys to tell me in your opinion. Throw it up in the chat. What is the biggest threat to your life as an American, I know I got international people, but this is this is one for Americans because we get a lot of stuff. DH Fighter Fit Tampa, what's up? They love Florida, man. They gonna move in there. Uh, not Tampa, maybe South Florida, uh, maybe Fort Lauderdale, maybe Hollywood, maybe Fort Pierce. What is the biggest threat to your life if you're living in America? This may be applicable to Canada. I don't know. I didn't do the stats on Canada. I found this out years ago. I got sick and tired of the media, all the hype, and them telling you what to be afraid of. We see how that played out with, uh, with all the lockdown bullshit. That was all wrong. Masks were wrong. The injections were wrong. It was all wrong. All hype. Y'all fell for it. Let's got to a strike. Freedom. And corrupt government. Okay, okay, now listen. I like how you're thinking, but it ain't it. It ain't it. It ain't it. Now, government's your biggest expense. You know that, right? All you freaking commies out there that are into it. You're, it's your biggest expense. That's tax. From income tax, sales tax, property tax, value-added tax. All the taxes. That's your biggest expense. But the biggest threat. To your life. Throw it up, man. Okay, Los Gatos says corrupt government. I feel you, man. I feel you. Ain't it, though? I mean, this is so... Flies under the radar. Flies totally under the radar. I've known this for years. I put a whole chapter in my 2009 book. I shit 14 years old. What is it? What is the biggest threat to your life? You. And every American. Uh, Paul Bennett, Benedict, too, says classism and control. No, man. Are you a communist? Uh, um, control is a good thing. 
classism. I'm an individualist, so I don't buy into all that. Uh, I think collectivism, I don't know if we're saying the same thing. Collectivism is a problem, not the biggest threat. This, this is the biggest threat that you, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your, your girlfriends, your wives, your children, your grandchildren, uh, your buddy, your bestie, all of them, man. This is the biggest threat everybody faces if you live in the United States. I haven't heard anybody come up with the right answer. Come on, throw it up in the chat. Hit me up. This is how we communicate. You got questions. You want, you want to talk about something, let me know. I'm here to help if I can get you information on anything. Go cry me Arbor. Money? Dude, what is this? Did I tap into the like communism channel? I am not a communist. Money is not a problem. Money is actually, uh, well, maybe in this way, maybe there are some incentives with the money that are a problem, but that ain't it. Biggest threat, biggest risk to your life. I'm going to lay out the, the thing. Los Gatos, dude, I'm liking you, bro. The central bank uh, uh, digital currency, not the biggest threat. Biggest threat to the economy. By, biggest threat to your privacy. Biggest threat to your privacy. Dude, did you ever grow up with brothers and sisters? Then you appreciate privacy. You don't want any part of this. Uh, Florida passed a law where they will not allow in the state of Florida um, the, the central banking digital currency. Dude, I like Florida, man. I, 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 I did not like Florida until the lockdowns. And then I'm like, whoa, this is a, these are some good people down here. These are some smart people. Uh, TikTok. Girl crying me off for TikTok. is not the biggest threat to Man, seriously? You, nobody knows. Dude, this thing is going to kill you. And you don't even have a freaking clue. Dude, who here read my book? And I, I've been pushing it's 2009 anomaly. I have a whole chapter on this. No, nobody knows what the biggest threat to your life. It will kill you. The phone. No. Paul Benedict. Phone. No. Second Amendment. No. Second Amendment's good for you. I, I don't know if you're pro or against, but Second Amendment's good for you. I got stats on that too. I was a statistician. I like that stuff. Uh, Nature Boy, what's up, brother? What's up, Renee? Renee El Pelagroso. Dude, that's a good pro wrestling name right there. Nature Boy, Ted the Planet. Ring the bell. Man, I need one of those horns, dude. Nature boy. You guys see what he said? You see what he said in the chat? You guys out on uh, YouTube and stuff didn't see. Dude, Nate with the wind, bro. I got to get you some. You know what I'm going to do? Send me your email. I'm going to send you my new copy of my book. Uh, Sportify. I just wrote it. It just, it just came back from the editor. Fresh, clean. This shit is going to change business i'm excited i've got i've got three more books i'm ready bam 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 one month after another okay you know what he said you know what nate said the doctor dude nate i love it bro love it good job the doctor medicine american medicine is your number one threat to your life statistically probabilistically speaking, and I am going to lay it in all the facts. Side so Rose in Canada said, seed oils, nope. Uh, Renee says, hey, what's up, Coach Jake? What's up, brother? Happy to see you, dude. Our native origins, any tips on training with a hernia? No, don't do it. Go cry me a river, painkillers. Now you're getting into the, the, the meat of it, bro. Now you're on it, okay? So I call this 
I wanted to call this the name of the show, but it definitely would have gotten me like shadow banned even further than I already am. You guys know that like, like I used to have a radio show. It played all kinds of hell in my life. Dude, I had death threats. I had like, I had everybody from, I, dude, it's a whole thing. I don't even want to get into it. And I changed my subject matter. I used to be, it used to be political, but very much along the, the Ron Paul, Gary Johnson line. And dude, it got me a lot of harassment, a lot of heat, dude. So I just lay low. Uh, Matt, Matt Mullen, what's up? Okay, so here it is. The number one biggest risk that you face as an American, it has a, a crazy term, a crazy name. It's called iatrogenic harm. Atro, I-A-T-R-O, genic, G-E-N-I-C, harm. Iatrogenic harm. Okay? Iatrogenic harm refers to harm caused by medical interventions. Medical malpractice. Okay. The latest stats that came out of John Hopkins on the US came out in 2016. They don't like to put these numbers out there. Okay. But the latest stat says that medical harm, Paul Benedict's got it, iatrogenic harm, medical malfeasance, medical harm. Iatrogenesis is what it goes by if you want to look it up so you can actually see this. Go cry me Arbor says, shiz doctors or misinformed doctors or paid off doctors. Dude, it's, so it's bigger than doctors and I'm going to lay this out. I'm going to lay this out on this. You, this is an episode you're going to probably need to send to everybody that you love because this is a wake-up call. I'm going to lay out the numbers. I've got a... um I've got an article on my blog. Uh, it's medium.com slash ad symbol jake.shannon. Medium.com slash ad symbol jake.shannon. In fact, you know what? I'll, I'm going to copy and paste it. I'm going to throw it up. I can't put it for you Instagram people, but I am going to add one here. And this is the link. Okay, so I have a very dramatic uh, Name for it. I call it Farmageddon. <laughs> I like that. Farmageddon. So this is this is the link. <laughs> Just go to medium.com uh, slash jake.shannon and then look for Farmageddon. Okay. Um, and actually I might uh I might edit down just to make it easier for you guys. Dude, and and the statistics that I'm about to show you. This is all verifiable. I have them all sourced in the article. So this is why I want you guys to uh, to go to this. I'm going to put it up. Again, this is for, uh, oops, wrong one. This is the one for you guys in on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. If you're on Instagram, stay with me. You can go find it. You can t DM me after the, the talk, and I'll send you the link. No problem, okay? Now. And Nate, by the way, again, great job, Nate. Dude, good job. Okay, so iatrogenic harm refers to medical harm, okay, whether naive or intentional. The latest stats from John Hopkins, again, this is 2016, study found that medical errors are the third. Now, the, just this study says that medical error, this is from John Hopkins University, 
the medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States after heart disease and cancer. Estimated just this one study on iatrogenic harm found that medical error kills between 250 and 440,000, half a million people a year. You were worried about COVID, which had a 99% cure rate, and yet you went to the doctor that kills half a million people a year just with medical errors. Just with medical errors. Go Cry Me Arbor says, are you sure they aren't on purpose? I'll get to that, buddy. I'm going to get to that, and I think you might be right. There's no smoking gun, but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that this is being done intentionally. So um, what I'm saying is controversial, but you, the numbers don't lie, dude. And this is all independent sources. Again, John Hopkins, there's also a study with the, in the Journal of the American Medical Association by Dr. Barbara Starfield about 10 years prior. I spoke to her on the phone when I was writing my 2009 book. She's dead now. May she rest in peace. She did the first big study on it. But then again, it was redone in 2016 with John Hopkins. Between, medical errors kill between a quarter and a half a million Americans every year. You're freaked out about, and rightfully so, 3,000 Americans in 9-11 one time. And we put in a TSA and all this shit that we're paying for. 200, quarter of a million to half a million every year. And dude, let me just get through this, okay? So this kind of death, iatrogenic harm is more common in hospitals than anywhere else. And it's more common in older patients and patients that have complicated medical conditions because a lot of it can be from unnecessary surgeries, uh, mixing the wrong drugs. And that's what I want to get to because now write these numbers down. Okay. I'm going to do the same. So let's be conservative. I'm not going to go with the half million number. I'll go with the low end just to be conservative. A quarter of a million Americans, okay? I'm writing it down. So a quarter of a million Americans, according to John Hopkins, 2016, <laughs> this was pre-COVID, pre-ventilators, pre-mRNA disaster. A quarter of a million to a half a million. Now, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, an additional estimated 2.8 million people in the U.S. experience adverse drug reactions, pharmaceuticals that jack you up, side effects. And 100,000 people die from adverse drug reactions every single year. And these numbers are underreported. That means these are underestimated by probably a lot. People aren't reporting that they overdosed or took the wrong medicine or mixed the wrong medicines. These cause allergic reactions, gastrointestinal problems, central nervous system problems, kidney, liver, blood, heart, respiratory, all of it. Okay? But here's the one that I feel that goes the most underreported and is the danger that we see every night on the news and they love to lay the blame elsewhere. You know why? You know that 75% of all advertising, you can Google this, this is in the article. I have a source. 75% of all advertising you see on TV, just watch the news and keep your own tally. 75% of the news, 75% of all TV, including the news, is funded by pharmaceutical industry. You think they're going to bite the hand that feeds them? 
You think they're going to talk about uh, how their drugs are killing people? Well, here's the one kicker. Here's the big kicker. The number of Americans that take prescription drugs with known violent side effects, the number of Americans that take prescription drugs with known violent side effects, and this is again a 2016 study, this is by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, the number of Americans who take prescription drugs with known violent side effects is estimated at 4.7 million people. These are people aged 12 and older that are on prescription psychotropic drugs. Okay. Of the 4.7 million Americans on drugs that have known documented violent side effects, 1.5 million have used them in a way that could be considered abuse. And again, underreported because these, these people, who self-reports on that? Oh, yeah, I'm abusing psychotropic drugs. So we've got a quarter of a million people dying from medical error. Another 100,000 dying from adverse drug reactions. Those are called ADRs. Then we've got 1.5 million people abusing psychotropic drugs with known violent side effects, 4.7 million people on it. This suggests that a massive amount of Americans are potentially at risk for experiencing violent side effects from these drugs or experiencing violent side effects from somebody using them. Mass shooters, anyone? The most common of these drugs with known violent side effects are antidepressants. These are SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And if you open up the document and read the side effects, increased suicidality and increased homicidal ideation. Do you need me to spell that out for you? What happens with all these, these violent things that have been happening only since advertising has been allowed direct to consumer? You know, there's only two countries that allow that. It's illegal in every other country except for America and New Zealand. Do you know that? There is a reason. 4.7 million Americans. Let that just sink in. Next time you get all up like, in a tizzy or somebody's all freaking out. Oh, guns, guns. You know, like the number of, of, of gun owners that are violent, it's like a fraction of a person. I'm going to do a whole thing on guns, on the statistics and the, and the, and the numbers. It's a frag. It's nothing. Okay. But antidepressants have known side effects. That's why the, every one of these mass shooters has been on them. There was a study done, and I think it might be in here. I'll get to it. Okay, so it's not just the SSRIs, the antidepressants. Let's see who was talking about Adderall up here. Paul Benedict says, uh, is Adderall part of it? Stimulants like Adderall and Ritalin that, create, that treat ADHD, not, their side effects are not just irritability, but aggression and even psychosis. 4.7 million Americans 
or on drugs with known violent side effects, side effects of violence, aggression, benzos, benzodiazepines, like Xanax and Valium. They have the same effect as booze, and that is impaired judgment. We all know booze causes violence. 2014 study in the journal Psychiatric Services found that people who were taking antipsychotic drugs were more likely to be arrested for violent crimes than people who were not taking these drugs. 4.7 million Americans are on drugs and have violent side effects. 2015 study published in the journal The Lancet, this is a big journal, found people who were taking antidepressants were more likely to be hospitalized for violence than people who were not. 2016 study in the journal Drugs and Alcohol Dependence found that people who were taking benzos were more likely to be involved in violent accidents than people who were not taking them. There's nobody doing the numbers. I looked. There's nobody doing the numbers of the victims of people that are victims of those violent side effects. That needs to happen, okay? Here's the thing. So now we have 4.7 million Americans on on, uh, SSR or on uh, psychotropic drugs that have violent side effects. Then these iatrogenic harm statistics have only exploded since COVID. This is the truth. As of March 8th, 2023, there have been 12,000 deaths reported to VAERS, which is the vaccine uh, adverse effects something. It's, it's the database where, where uh, uh, harm from vaccines is reported. And again, it's underreported. And in fact, it's been estimated that only 1% of adverse effects are reported. So if 1%, you could back out the number. So if only 1% of the, of the people harmed by this last number is 1% and it was 12,000, that means 1.2 million people. So we'll add 1.2. This is shit nobody wants to hear. These numbers are out there. I'm, this is not me. Don't, go, don't get mad at the messenger. Get mad at the people that lied to you and I got to be the one to let you know. Be mad at them. Be happy. I'm telling you your biggest risk. I'm going to save your life, the life of your friends, your family. Just telling you, man. And if you're with these other organizations, man, you got no heart if you're not being honest about this. We've seen so many whistleblowers come out. Right? Myocarditis, pericarditis, Guillaume Barr. Guillaume Barr, dude, look it up, man. That happened with the swine flu in the 70s, too. Thrombocytopenia, which is like blood clotting. I have been trying to raise awareness of the fact that the medical system in America is actually the biggest risk that America faces for decades. Since the publication of my book, 2009, Anomaly, I've written about it. I've talked about it. I had Dr. Thomas Zaz on my radio show, gave his last radio interview. If you don't know who he is, look him up, S-Z-A-S-Z. Now, this is where I want to get it to, okay? Why? 
How did this happen? How did you not know this? Because the pharmaceutical industry spends more on advertising than any other industry in the United States. Three quarters, 75% of advertising is paid for by pharmaceutical companies. Like, wake up, dude. 2020, the industry spent $36.4 billion on advertising. It's more than double the amount spent by the next highest industry, which is cars. That's crazy. In 2020, pharmaceutical industry spent $36.4 billion in advertising in one year. Twice the amount that the next biggest group, the automotive industry, and it's aimed at consumers, not doctors. This is what I'm talking about, that that law, the only country that does that is us in New Zealand. That is crazy. I know, I'm not the first. I didn't come up with the name Big Pharma. You know, Pfizer lost the largest criminal lawsuit in the history of criminal lawsuits. That's criminals, criminals. And you're buying their stuff. Whose fault is that? Now, if you didn't know, I can't blame you. But if you're watching this, now you know. And you need to send this to you, to you people, dude. I'm telling you, medium.com slash ad symbol. Jake.Shannon. Look for Farmageddon. It's like the second article there. A study by the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 60% of direct-to-consumer ads for prescription drugs were for drugs that were not considered to be the first-line remedy or treatment for the conditions that were being advertised for. Advertising, something known as rent-seeking, revolving door politics. Look these up. Rent-seeking, revolving door politics, regulatory capture. These all are very serious problems for the citizens of the United States. We just saw it, man. We just had Farmageddon happen. And it's going to get worse. And I cannot remember who said it, but somebody said they can't help but think that it was uh, intentional. And I want to talk about that. Nature Boy says, I refuse all meds. I want to die in my most natural form. Uh, Paul Benedict, what do they benefit from it, though? Right. Uh, Go Cry Me Arvis says, this is why I watch YouTube for news. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm just trying to tell you what's up here. We've got uh, Go Cry Me Arbor. I'll check this out extensively after the live. Go for it, bro. I'm in New Zealand. Yep. Suicide, uh, scientific, scientific wrestling Canada. What's up, Marco? Incredible suicidal tendency. Yep. Go cry me arbor. People can't get away with murder while on psychosis. Scientific wrestling Canada. He, this, uh, Marco's a, a police officer. Hundreds of firsthand experiences. Yep. Uh, uh, Paul Benedict. So they find people who are mentally weak and get them to take medica medication that does the opposite of what they need. Hey, man, I'm not saying this. This is the comments. I agree. <laughs> um, Go cry me Arbor. So Big Pharma gave everyone painkillers and now trying to take uh, a hospice people so they can take. So I can't read that. Don't trust Big Pharma from McCarver. Uh, don't cry me Arbor. Thank God I'm in New Zealand. It's a scam. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, um, okay. So I think I'm caught up now. Phew. Guys, the me media companies that report the news get 75% of their advertising revenue from pharmaceutical companies. So it's not in difficult. 
to see. Hey guys, it's Coach Jake with the number one podcast. And, you know, at number one coaching, we know that small business owners struggle to scale and increase their revenues. So we're here to help you. We believe that every single entrepreneur deserves the chance to win beyond their wildest dreams so that they can have peace of mind and abundance. We do that by increasing your revenue, teaching your sales strategies to increase your revenue, demolishing employee disengagement. And we do that really by transforming your sales managers into coaches that are concerned with putting points on the board, but those points are revenue. I want to help you. I'm here to help you. You don't have to go through your business life complacent, just accepting, reacting. Let's take charge. Let's win. You can head over to numberonecoaching.com, schedule an appointment. It's free. We can do a strategy session, 15 minutes for free. Numberonecoaching.com. Thanks. What the conflict of interest is. Whiskey and red wrist locks. Dude, we're going heavy, dude. I'm right now in the midst of, he's asking what's up. What is the biggest risk that Americans face? What is going to kill you? What is the biggest threat, the biggest enemy? And it's medical error, medical harm. Iatrogenesis is the name I-A-T-R-O-G-E-N-I-S. Iatrogenesis, I think I got it right. <laughs> 75% of all advertising is bought and paid for by pharmaceutical companies. You can't, you, you see the conflict of interest? It's not on the news. Doop, 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 doop. Pharmaceutical companies often hire, this is some of the rent-seeking stuff, regulatory capture I was talking about. Pharmaceutical companies often hire former government officials and media employees. This creates like an incentive for these officials and employees to be favorable to the pharmaceutical industry and not tell you what's up, okay? Pharmaceutical companies use their lobbying power to influence government policy. Every drug that's been recalled by the FDA was approved by the FDA, okay? Pharmaceutical power, uh, companies, like they influence regulators, like all kinds of stuff, dude. Now, how does that play out? Why is that? Where is the incentive? Right? Why would they do that? This is where you have to start looking at who's influencing the thinking of these people. Who are the economists? Who are the philosophers? Who are the mouthpieces that these people are pushing? Right? So right now, I've got some numbers here. I wrote them down. Two, this is the, this is the, you could add this up if you like. Somebody got a calculator? Get a calculator. The, the conservative number from uh, John Hopkins was uh, for iatrogenic harm, meaning medical error, medical malpractice, was quarter of a million to 440,000. Okay. So if you want to go conservative or you want to go, more, you know that number. 
On top of that, adverse drug reactions kill another 100,000. And we're not talking about the ones that are harmed. That was like 2 million or something. 4.7 million Americans are on drugs that cause violent violence. Suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation is suicidality. And you're blaming guns. It doesn't make sense, dude. I'm old enough to remember. I grew up in a small town. The high schoolers would have gun racks in the back of their truck, man. Drive around, no problems. Kids would take their guns to school. We had uh, like target practice in the small rural towns. It's the pharmaceutical drugs with the violent side effects. Okay. There's reports just on these news batch of mRNA injections and whatever that came out during lockdowns. 12,000 incidences that were reported, but they say only 1% are actually reported. So you could take 12,000 divided by 1%, that'll tell you the actual number 1.2 million dollars, uh, 1.2 million Americans. Well, maybe not dead, maybe harmed. Okay, adverse reactions. Add all that up, man. It is the number one risk that you face is the medical system as it is. I'm not down on medicine. Medicine saved my life multiple times. I love doctors. I don't like iatrogenic heart. There's a problem. There's a massive problem here. But what is it? Is it one thing? If I were to say it was one thing, I would say it is the influence of Thomas Malthus. Thomas Malthus is the economist from the um, 19th century, I believe. And he was the guy who scared everybody and made population control a boogeyman that don't exist. The boogeyman ain't real. He said that food production happens linearly, but population happens exponentially. And because of that, there will be a problem. He's been wrong. We are now at 8 billion people. The homeless guy could get more calories than the king of England did in the 16th century. And off the dollar menu at McDonald's, grounding off just the, the, the beneficence of, of rando strangers giving throwing change. It's bullshit. In fact, what happens is the more people there are, it's a network effect. Do you see? So we get more efficient. We get larger machines that could create more crops. We're able to be more efficient with the food. All that. I mean, look, people are fat. People are dying of beings in America. Don't tell me. When you look at somebody who's in Ethiopia, or I'm not sure what country it is, it's having a hard time now. It's because of politicians. People tried to send food, all this. It's these areas that are corrupt. And America's getting corrupt, dude. We're heading for a bad, bad place. We've been corrupt. Okay. Go crime yard or hospitals and big pharma, biggest threat. That's it. Whiskey and wrist locks. I watch streaming TV and every commercial is pharmaceutical. I'm telling you, these are facts backing up your own personal experience. Okay. So if I were to give it one cause is I think it's this hype about overpopulation. There is a, there's some great videos. Go to YouTube. Talk, uh, statistically backed, science backed. Population is a myth. I don't even know who puts it out. Population is a myth. You can look it up. All these great educational videos explain why it's bullshit. Okay. But the people who are in power, these guys like Bill Gates, who have a lot of money, 
These people like the World Economic Forum, um, they're all very concerned with this. The, the royal family, they're talking about all the time how if they could die, they'd come back as a virus and take out the human population. They all believe this shit and they have more power than you and me and they're affecting things. So I, it, with the medical system, I in my, that chapter I wrote in Anomaly, I trace it back to one particular event that happened in the early 20th century called the Flexner Report. And the Flexner Report radically changed how medicine was performed. Not saying it was awesome back then. We made leaps and bounds, but it's still the number one killer in the United States. So let's not get like all romanticized and, you know, looking down our nose at people. If you're a medical doctor, you're the number one risk people face. And you need to be like aware that people are aware of this. And your white lab coat ain't going to make you a god to us. Okay. We're not intimidated by that. We have facts and figures, and there are good doctors who know this as well. So enough with the ego, and let's solve the problem. The Flexner Report led to medical licensure. It was getting a license, in my opinion, which led to the perverse incentives that created where we're at today. Okay, I have a friend. Uh, I haven't talked to him in years, but he's an older pharmacist, and he told me something very interesting. Um, he went to pharmacy school back in the 60s, okay? And he was like, you know what's really interesting that I know, that I noticed, is back in the 60s, there was two things you had to study. The study to become a pharmacist, there was two things you had to study. One was pharmacy, which is the synthetic creation of drugs. All of these drugs are just there to simulate what happens in nature. And that was the second thing you studied. It was called pharmacognosy. Pharma P-H-A-R-M-A, Cognacy, C-O-G-N-O-S-Y. And it was like aspirin comes from willow bark. Oregano is a fantastic antibacterial. Like oregano oil is way stronger and more healthy for you than amoxicillin. Like these, these things that, but what he said was that that's changed. The pharmacognosy has been completely removed because the pharmaceutical companies have bought all of the pharmacy schools to educate people and to educate doctors. So they don't even really know much of this. Okay. Harry Balsona says, if a kid is being a little too energetic, he has ADD nowadays. Listen, man, I'm going to get real controversial. You should read Thomas Zaz's book, The Myth of Mental Illness. His, isn't to say, his argument isn't to say that people don't have problems, mental problems that they have to overcome, but the problem is not medical, that you've been sold a bill of goods. There's no science behind it and that they're doing this to turn you into a revenue stream, a revenue stream that will also reduce the population. They make money while reducing the population. That sounds to me like, like a wealthy population freaks wet dream. There's your answer for those people. Uh, Car uh, Marco says, got to run. See you Friday. Uh, dude, it's going to be super fun. Go cry me arbor. The super rich. It's not even the rich, dude. It's the powerful. Okay. I mean, maybe it's richness. I think there's enough richness on the planet to go around. There's like a quad, couple quadrillion dollars. That means there's like more than $200,000 a person just sitting around. So there's enough money to go around. But this is where we have to stop blaming people. These people are culpable. Like Fauci should probably 
they investigated. I mean, you know, like we we've seen that the uh, gain of function research thing has been he's lied over and over again and then played cute like he doesn't remember anything when it comes to testimony. We need to stop just taking these bureaucrats words for it and, uh, and put the facts where it is. Right. Like statistics, facts. Um, but we have to stop blaming other people. Really, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. When I was a young man, um, I, uh, I uh, almost died from a botched appendectomy. So I had a doctor who performed an appendectomy on me. On me, I don't think I needed it. I was too young to advocate for myself. I was ten. Pretty sure I was. I was faking being sick. This is why I know I didn't need it. And yet he wanted the money or whatever the deal was. Uh, there's some other issues going on. Performed surgery on me. Did not close the incision. Told me to take a bath. This is like murdered. You do that, the bacteria, the dirt from your body in the bathwater goes into the hole. I almost died on July 4th uh, when I was 10 of gangrene poisoning. And it was emergency surgery. It, they pulled it all out of me and I lived. Okay, but it was that botched appendectomy. This is why I've been sensitive about this. I'm 50 in a, in a month or two since I was 10. I've known about this and I've been through the ringer. Then they put me through cancer treatment, all kinds of shit when I was a kid. As soon as I got old enough to advocate for myself, notice I have not had any problems. The only thing I had was a blood clot. And that was, I believe, my fault. Okay, I, I take responsibility. Uh, and medicine helped me. Okay, But you have to take charge. First step is knowing this information. And the second step, we live in the information age. Get your damn phone out. Start looking at stuff. And stop like just accepting what somebody says. Look for second, third opinions. Okay. The real big Buryani says, let's go, Brandon. I'm down with that. Uh, I'm not a Trump hubber either, though. That guy's a, a bozo, too. Um, go cry me over. I just woke up literally and figuratively. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope this helps you guys. I know it's heavy. Yesterday, I was bullshitting about your favorite luxury car. Today, I'm telling you what the biggest risk is that you face and every loved one that you face in the United States is. Paul Benedict, bro, I came on this live thing. I was going to learn some wrestling tips and tricks. I, you Sometimes you do, man. I don't know, man. I got a lot of interest. I mean, wrestling is probably my number one, but uh, go cry me Arbor. You won't hear this from the media because most of the media is paid out. Yeah. Uh, go cry me Arbor. Paul Benedict, you're learning something that will save your life. Paul Benedict, yeah, this is crazy. Uh, Nature Boy, Ted Planet, toothpaste calcifies your pineal gland. Yeah, see, dude, they, they try to make you sound crazy, but this is the truth. <laughs> It's, oh man, you have to start understanding science and not just a guy in, with glasses who talks like this or wears a lab coat and you just listen to what he says. Dude, I have a master's. I worked professionally as a statistician. Just because I'm speaking in an accessible way doesn't make me wrong. I just laid all the facts. I gave you an article that you can go look up and vet all the sources. Okay. <laughs> I know that's crazy. Anyway, love you guys. Um, appreciate you. And, um, you know, the thing is, is we really need to take responsibility here. We can't let another lockdown happen. You can't let the Great Reset happen. The thing is, is this system is imploding from corruption. Okay. So we, if you look at the history of human kind it's largely the history of slaves and masters 
large number of slaves and a few masters. That, uh, fight me, I'm right, okay? At least in that perspective, you can look at it that way and it's accurate. Most of history is comprised of people that could be considered slaves and those that are considered masters, okay? 1776, some English dudes got really sick of that crap and saw an opportunity. It's like Mars, right? Like going to the United States in, in the 1700s was like going to Mars. And it was like a big risk. People died on the journey. You came over here and like nature killed you or the natives killed you, right? But they saw this opportunity and they took it to be free of being either one. They're like, how about this? How about a third way? How about a third way? And just be free and get along. <laughs> and they did the best they could for the 1700s, man. Like, dude, they were still pure medicine with leeches, dude. Like, okay, they did the best they could. And looking at history, the smartest guys at that time said like, dude, we need this Bill of Rights. We need to be able to speak freely like this to share info without somebody fucking with you. We need to be able to defend ourselves. Self-defense. All these people on here from Instagram that are wrestling people and mixed martial arts, self-defense, dude. That's what you practice. It's a sport, but that's the point. First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth, all of that, dude. Right to privacy, right to trial, by jury, by your peers, not some sketchy-ass Spanish Inquisition dude. Right? It has allowed the population to grow freedom. And have you noticed that as the population has grown, technology is so crazy now that we have AI. People are paying for AI girlfriends. The hell? Like, dude, you got way too much comfort and convenience if you're buying an AI girlfriend. Dude, like, ridiculous. Because the more people there are, the more there's a division of the labor and life gets actually easier. These are the facts, guys. It is. And what's so crazy is how controversial. Why is this even controversial? These are facts. If you have any kind of numeracy, if you have any kind of literacy, you can look this up too. Now, I was... Uh, somebody who was affected by it early on. So I've had a long time to think about this and notice this problem. Okay. Uh, Paul Benedict, what does the pineal gland do? I mean, as a gland, it's in the center of your eye. A lot of people call it the third eye. It's, it does a lot of regulatory stuff for your nervous system. Nature Boy, 10th Planet. You should look at the Porsche Panamera. It's a neat luxury car that's sporty, but still a family car. I might check it out. I might check it out. Uh, don't, or go cry me arbor. I don't believe you. Okay, whatever. Go look for yourself, man. That's the whole point of this. I have all the stats there. Don't argue with me because I don't care. I mean, I could be wrong. Go check yourself. Take, take the responsibility yourself. I'm just saying, psst, hey, do you know this is a thing? So, all right, guys. Listen, I'm going to jump off here. It is 5.15. I got to go feed my babies. I got three kids. They're fantastic. Loving, love life. This is the thing, man. I want to live to 120. I would love that, by the way. If I would actually love to live to 127 because then I'd see the year 2100. 
I can't even imagine how crazy the world's going to be. Well, the world has changed so much just in five years. Can you imagine in another like 50? It's nuts. Nuts. Another 75 years. It's crazy. It's inspiring how far we have come in like 200 years. And when you study history and you look at, you know, I, I do appreciate like uh, Graham Hancock and all these guys that are pushing back the date on humanity. But, you know, the typical um, establishment archaeology puts us at about 10,000 years of species. I think that's because that is when the, uh, the Ice Age kind of happened. I think anything that happened prior to that might have gotten destroyed. Think about, think if there was any advanced civilizations, think about it this way. Right now, if a massive EMP, some gigantic solar flare happened, and the geometric, uh, the, the, the geomagnetic shield that protects us from solar rays happened to be wonky that day, and the, uh, the K-index, which measures this kind of stuff, space weather is what it's called, if there was a flare and it blew out every piece of electronics, and in humankind, for most part, and then people checked in on us a thousand years later, they wouldn't know that we had cell phones that could talk across the planet because the technology would be completely different. They would, we would go back. The only things they could find would be like transistors. They might be able to open up one of these and look and be like a circuitry board. Why are they doing this weird art? And not even know that it was actually functional and doing stuff. You see what? I don't know if that makes sense, but. Anyway, go cry me, Arbor. Thank you so much for telling us the truth. Uh, as corny as this sounds, I'm genuinely thankful. Hey, dude, go. What I did for you, go do that for somebody else. Either send them this video. You can go to my YouTube. It'll be up there. Um, it will be. This will be saved on Instagram. Um, or you can just send them to the to the um, medium.com slash at jake.shannon. Um, and then you'll see Farmageddon. <laughs> That was my, my clever name, Farmageddon. Uh, somebody else has probably come up with that. I just thought it was funny. But um, yeah, I hope this is helpful, guys. Again, if I can be of service to you, I'm just doing this because I'm a stats guy. I've seen these numbers. It's something that's near and dear to my heart because it's affected my life. And I don't want it to affect anybody else's life. I think this is a preventable thing. I think this would be a bloodless war that could be won, save so many lives, um, and, and reduce so much harm in the world. Uh, yeah, so I've actually got four books coming out. First one, um, it's done. I've already got the proof. Uh, I think I might email it to Nate because he was the only one who guessed the right answer as to the biggest risk that we all face. But this book is called Sportify. And really, it's an amalgam of what I've learned, both coaching business and coaching uh, sports, business and sports and, and fitness, you know, through the maze. And so what it does is, if you're not familiar, there's this idea of gamification or gamifying uh, behavior. So if you see leaderboards or loyalty reward points at Subway or American Airlines or Delta or Southwest, like these are gamification concepts. Well, I've taken gamification a step further and created something that I call sportification, which really aims to solve, this is again for you nerds out there, in gamification, there is a problem between extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Motivation that you're motivated for because you get ribbons or black belts or 
uh, money and intrinsic because you do it because you love it, right? And that's a huge problem because we need to get people engaged in what they're doing. What they find is extrinsic rewards don't work as well. And so sportification was my attempt at solving the extrinsic intrinsic problem in gamification. That book is coming out shortly. I swear it's not as wonky as I said. Maybe it is, dude. You'll see. Like I'm actually a nerd. I talk really colloquially and, and straightforward, but but uh, I can't help the the academic, the the uh, the statistical side and the researcher side coming out. That's the first book. The second book that's coming out um, is it's actually an adaptation. I'm updating my book Liberation for those of you who've read that. Um, it's going to be called Mind, Mind, Mind Your Business. And it's going to be a Socratic method workbook for new entrepreneurs. It's going to ask you a bunch of important questions. And if you go through and you answer these questions, it will increase your impact, increase your revenue, increase your quality of life, materially speaking, and emotionally, and hopefully spiritually. Mind your business. Then is coming out a book called Revenue Engineering, which is really taking what I do for companies, laying it out as an actual system and process for small business owners. Because I love family business. I personally believe that small business is the greatest thing uh, that you can do. I think it's fantastic for your personal development. I think it's an ethical and moral system because it's consensual, you know, business like trade. It's not like, Big business, they start colluding, doing rent-seeking, manipulation, corruption, all that kind of stuff. That's obviously unethical, but you don't do that with small business. And and I really want small businesses to survive. They are the backbone of the American economy, in particular, solopreneurs. Solopreneurs need help. And that's what revenue engineering is going to be about, about what I do in number one coaching. I help small to medium businesses uh, increase their revenues over 30% within six months through a combination of sales coaching, um, uh, leadership training to help them scale and systematize and automate their business and marketing and advertising, leveraging digital sources and AI. And so that book's going to be my third book. And then the fourth book is actually going to be relevant to what we talked about today. It's called The Principles. The Principles. And it's about bioethical principalism. This is a philosophy that came out of the, um, the, the um, Nuremberg trials after World War II because of the medical experimentation and the awful stuff that, that, that Nazis were doing with medicine um, during World War II, experimenting on people. And this is where the ideas of informed consent uh, do no harm. Well, that was originally... Uh, the Hippocratic Oath, but non-malfeasance, beneficence, justice, informed consent. These were the principles. And I write a book laying out that, hey, we may be at the end of the United States. I wrote a book in 2011 called Endonomics. You can still go get it. It's cheap. Where it's predicted exactly what's happening today on the end of the United States. Um, I hate to break that to you if that's news to you as well. Maybe I'll do a show on that. Um, we're see- It's the end. Okay, the United States is going to be functionally bankrupt um, and we're going to be in a situation where the Soviet Union was in the end of the 80s, very, very soon, within five years. Um, 
what happens after that. That's what principles on talks about. Can we extrapolate bioethical principles and these ideas that we learned from practical experience of human nature, modern times from the Nuremberg trials, can we extrapolate that to global governance? I'm not a, one of these globals. I'm saying like, this is an idea like the Bill of Rights that might need to permeate and inspire freedom, consent, these things that are baked into um, bioethical principalism and applied in a broader context. Those four books, man, I'm banging them out one a month. They've all been sitting here and I'm ready. I got them all going now. So Sportify will be out hopefully in the next two weeks, both Audible, you can get it, uh, the audio book, as well as the print book, as well as the digital book. So guys, man, all you guys hung in there. That's a long show. I appreciate you. Um, and if I can help you, if I can help your business, I can help you grappling. Let me know. All the other stuff, I just give this information in the hopes that it helps somebody out there. I appreciate you. Love you guys. And uh, here's to, to making it to the year 2100. That's my goal. I'm going to make it happen. You know how it goes. I get a goal in mind. I get obsessed. I'm going to stay alive till the year 2100. Hope you join me. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. And as ever, please, if you enjoyed this episode, share it, pass it along, hit like, all that, smash the like button, whatever. Please help us get the word out. My mission is to help as many people as possible. Head over also to numberonecoaching.com. We are here to help you with your small business, help it succeed, help it grow, and help you thrive and become number one.